Come on, come on! Good morning, Chair City Church. Good morning, guests. Good morning, our friends from New Day. All got our hands in this series and helping us out. Good morning. Yeah, you did it. You did it. Oh, thank you, Lord. Hey, for those of you, just give you a quick background here. Six years ago, we began meeting in the Garden of Cinemas with this thought that we could make an impact and a difference in this city, huh? That people could come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And for six years, we hung out in there. And about a year ago, we, you, us, we purchased this building from the Catholic Diocese, huh? And... <laughs> And it looked a lot different when we purchased the building, right? And then we spent one year. We sacrificed. We invested time and money. We hoped and we hoped and we hoped that the day would come when we'd come in here, we'd worship God, and we would launch this church into the community of God, into the Gardner region, to God be the glory. That day has come, huh? You have done so well. What an exciting morning. So glad you joined us. want to welcome all of you to the kickoff of our new teaching series called May the Force Be With You. You're like, what is that? What we do is, in this series, we're going to locate spiritual themes in the Star Wars movies. And then we're going to look into the Bible and see what the Bible teaches about those themes. Now, if you're new to our church, you just got to know we like to have fun. Okay, we do. We believe in glorifying God and enjoying God. Huh? And we do. We have a ton of fun in all we do. Now, to, and if you hang in there, I know it's different. If you hang in there for these four weeks, I think you're going to get it. I think you're going to hear and see people's lives being changed. I think you're going to be changed and drawn closer to God because that's what we want to do. We want to glorify God, huh? Now, today we're going to pull a theme from the movie The Phantom, Fen <laughs> the Phantom Menace. I'm thinking Dennis the Menace. I just, you know, I get stuff in my head. If you're not interested in Star Wars, and as far as you know, Obi-Wan Kenobi is the president of Nigeria, right? I don't want you to think you're not going to be able to follow along with this, or you're not going to get it. You will get it. That said, for those who have never seen the movie The Phantom Menace, or for us who, not mommy, I, mean, I, I think I see it like once a month in my house. My kids are always playing it. But for those who need a refresher, let me tell you a little bit about the movie. So, br so briefly, in this movie, the Trade Federation, which are the bad guys, they've cut off all routes to the planet Naboo, especially the trade routes. So Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan, they're the good guys, the Jedi, they're assigned to settle the matter. So these Jedi make plans to go and talk with the leaders of the Trade Federation. But their plans are frustrated because when they show up for the negotiations, the leaders of the Trade Federation try and kill them. So they escape to the planet Naboo and seek out a character called Boss Nas, some guy. <laughs> now, Bo he's the leader of the Gungans. I'm behaving today. Some of you know I'd probably tell something out there. So their plan was to help, get help from the Gungans in fighting the Trade Federation. But once again, their plans don't work out because the Gungans won't help them. So since the Gungans won't help them, they turn to, the, to Queen Amidala, the ruler of the Naboo people. The Queen and the Jedi 
together travel to the planet Coruscant to get help. But even this doesn't work out, and their plans fail because the Queen's starship is damaged, and they have to make a pit stop on the planet Tatooine. Once on Tatooine, they turn to a character, literally a character, named Watu, to buy a part for the starship. But these plans fail as well, huh? Because the people on Tatooine, Tatooine, my kids would say better than I do, <laughs> don't accept the currency, the money that Qui-Gon has to offer. So throughout the movie, the Jedi continually see their plans failing or being thwarted at every turn. And you would expect to see them get frustrated. You would expect to see them give up or quit, but that's not what happens. You see, the Jedi, they believe in something called the Force. And they believe that the Force is guiding them through life and that nothing is happening to them by coincidence. In fact, halfway through the movie, Qui-Gon says nothing happens by accident. What he's saying is everything that has happened, including all their plans failing, this wasn't an accident, this wasn't a coincidence. I really appreciate Qui-Gon's attitude. He accepts that by faith, the forces at work in the universe, working to get people on the path they should be on versus the path that they have planned to be on. Now, I want you to listen up. This is the way God wants us to think. This is the faith that God wants us to have. And if we do not, then we would have a tendency to make our plans and continue on with those plans apart from God. And when we do that, God often shoots our plans down. He frustrates them. He thwarts them. He doesn't do this because he's cruel, rather because he's more interested in getting us on the right path. God is not mad at you. God is mad about you. Huh? God loves you. He delights in you. You are the first fruits of all his creation. You are made in his image. He breathed his spirit into you, gave his son for you, has an eternal home for you. God loves you. But sometimes in life, things just don't turn out the way we expected. Life, you know, life takes different twists and turns, and things don't pan out the way we had hoped or planned. And God wants us to pull back and to know that he can and is guiding us through life and nothing is happening by accident or coincidence. Let's funnel it all through a spiritual vision. Now today we're going to look at a portion of the Bible. It's found in 1 Chronicles chapter 17. In our passage there, there's a man, his name is David. And at that time there in the Bible, he is king over the nation of Israel. And he is making plans to go in one direction, and God shoots his plans down and leads him in an entirely new direction. So let's jump into 1 Chronicles chapter 17, verse 1. It says, when David was settled in his palace, he summoned Nathan the prophet. Prophet is someone who would give a message from God to the people. Look, David said, I am living in a beautiful cedar palace, but the ark of the Lord's covenant is out there under the tent. Nathan replied to David, do whatever you have in mind, for God is with you. So the story picks up where David's in a new season in his life. He's no longer fighting with the previous king Saul, who hated him, was trying to kill him. He's no longer fighting his enemies who have surrounded him. He's got it. He's been victorious. The kingdom of Israel is in a calm, peaceful place. David is sitting on the throne. So David now is thinking, okay, what's next in life? What are we going to do? What, you know? And he begins to 
as he's doing that, he's realized that he's living in this really nice home. He looks out there and he sees the Ark of the Covenant, which was literally the presence of God on earth to the nation of Israel. And it's in a tent, an old tent that's been traveled, that's been being placed and tossed and relocated for years and years and years, probably worn, tattered. And he says, you know what, man? Let's do something great. Let's build a temple, a great and glorious, beautiful temple for the ark. That's a great plan, right? I mean, it's centered around God, one. And two, it really does an incredible thing for David's legacy. It solidifies his legacy in, with the nation of Israel forever. And that was a great plan until nighttime came. Let's read 1 Chronicles chapter 17, verses 3 and 4. But that same night, God said to Nathan, Go and tell my servant David, this is what the Lord has declared. You are not the one to build a house for me to live in. So David starts making the plans. He's getting excited. He's pumped up. This prophet Nathan comes and says, Nope. Yeah, forget about what I told you about that God is with you stuff. Yeah, he's not. <laughs> you are not the one to build the temple. Your son he will build the temple, but not you. It's a critical time in the history of Israel. We see God shooting down David's plans. Listen, sometime, sometimes God shoots down our plans. In 2005, Christy and I, well, with our children, we're living in Florida. We're on, we're on staff at a church. We really, with Southeast Florida, we loved the church. We did. We had some rich, good relationships with people in the church. And then Chris and I, we were feeling led by God to come up somewhere, preferably into the center of New England, and start a church or maybe kind of revitalize the church, go to an existing church and build it up. Whatever it is, we feel deeply that God is calling us to come up to New England and see people know Jesus. In 2006, Chris and I, we are obedient to God, what we believe is God's plan. And we move our family our young family from Southern Florida to Westminster, Massachusetts. We didn't know a single person in the greater Gardner region, not one. I started working in construction management. We settled down and we said, let's see what God will do. In 2009, I'm feeling like, okay, we got to get this God thing going, you know? And at the same time, I'm feeling that a church in the area Word gets out, they're looking for a pastor, a position opens up. It's a congregational type church. Church is like maybe it was built in the 1800s. If you actually, if you, the, I drive up to the building, I think they have a picture on the screen of the church building. That's it, okay? You know, it's a historical, beautiful building, typical New England. They had about 40 people there in the church at the time, and I'm thinking, I can do this. I mean, Christy and I will be such a blessing to this church. She's got that, um, her voice will sound amazing in that place. We've got a young family. It'll be a good boost to a church that's, you know, dominantly now one age group, an older age group. God will use us to revitalize the church. I can build this place up. I am stoked. I feel, I'm like ready to go. I put my resume together and I send it in. I don't know, you got the resume up there? Uh, I don't know if you can see it. First, you can see how much younger I look. You see what church planting does to you. <laughs> Christy holds it together a lot better than me. Somewhere on the bottom there, let's do boom, 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 boom. Does it say interest? Ah, I don't even have that. Oh, yeah, there it goes, interest. So after personal, down, it says interest. It says civil and revolutionary wars. 
and Star Wars. <laughs> Crazy stuff, right? So in the coming days now, I'm taking Chrissy out to dinner, and I'm sharing my poor wife. I'll wake her up at 1 o'clock in the morning, and you start, like, sharing with her what's going on in my head. Or, she, or I'll be so restless, say, watch. She's, okay, what is it? Just tell me already, okay? And I'm sharing her my dreams and my plans and the possibilities. I drive around the church. Every, I'm stalking the church. Every other day, I'm driving around, thinking, planning, what I could do here, what I could do there. You know? One week goes by. Two weeks go by. I don't get a phone call. So I call the church. And, you know, they tell me that they're reviewing my resume, and they'll, they'll get back to me soon. And I get it. They probably have to put together a pay package to make me an offer. They probably have to get some people together on the board to make the vote final before they bring it to me. All right. A couple of more weeks go by, you know, and uh, I don't get it. So I call. And there in that phone call, the person tells me, yeah, we're not going to hire you. And I am, like, stunned, man. I am, I am blown away. So much so, I'm in disbelief that I call back a few days later, and, you know, and I'm like trying to, you know, be, you know, give the impression that I'm collective here and composed and mature. And, and I actually said, you know, uh, as I go out here and, and try and uh, obtain a position of pastoring, I, I really would like to put my best foot forward. So could you give me an inclination as to what happened, why I wasn't hired? Uh, you know, was there something on my resume? Uh, and she said, well, you know, I really don't know why they did not hire you. She goes, but I could tell you this much. I do know that. I do know this. I don't think it helped you to list Star Wars as one of your main interests on your resume. I think a man of your age, especially a minister, really shouldn't have Star Wars as one of them, his main interests. <laughs> she goes, actually, it's frowned upon here. <laughs> so I get off the phone. This is one person, probably more... Might not have been speaking for the whole place, but I get off the phone, and I go, and I go to what I do, and I always get down. I go see my Christy, and, and I was upset. <laughs> I was upset with the church. I, I was upset. I was having fights in my head with people I never met. I, do, I don't know if you do that, but I do that. I say some ugly things, man. I say it in English. I say it in Spanish. I don't even know Spanish, but I say it in Spanish. I'm like, Christy, what were they thinking? I told Christy that they held Star Wars against me. All right, Christy, it's not even rated R. I, I watch it here with the kids in my home. What do they think? I'm going to show Star Wars in the church? What do they think? I'm going to preach on Star Wars? Like, that's crazy, man. <laughs> Who would do that? I would never do that. Look what you've done to this man, you crazy group of people. Right now, some of you might be thinking this whole Star Wars thing is actually not spiritual. It's derived from this guy's emotional issues, right? <laughs> and you might be right. <laughs> Listen, all kidding aside, I finished being upset with the people in this church, and I turned my frustration to God. I mean, come on, what are you doing? You called me to do this. You brought me here. I, I, felt, I felt this. I was there. What's going on? What happened here? I had great plans. You see, sometimes God shoots down our plans. And this is what happened to David. It's what happened to me. It's what happens to us, right? And like David, we all make plans. I want you, I want you to pause and get that. We all make plans. We all have a picture of what we think our life should be or how we want it to be, right? We all have this vision for our lives. Now, many people, they might think, oh, no, I don't really, I'm not a plan type person, you know, I, I don't make plans. But you do. 
because you're thinking about where you want to be. Well, five years from now, I want that degree. Uh, Ten years from now, I can see myself in this position. You know, so many years from now, I can see myself living in this place. People tell me that, yeah, 20 or 30, I want to live here, I want to live there. Nobody ever tells me they want to live in Winchester, and that's a whole different story. <laughs> now, so every, like, few months, I just stick my friends from Winchester. You know, there's a reason for that, because my friends from Winchester tell me that since I live in Westminster, I'm stuck up, by the way. So, I got the mic, I win, right? All right. <laughs> but they're pretty, uh, yeah, they're characters. God only knows what they do to me, that I don't realize it's coming from them. Listen, the Jedi make, made plans. David made plans. We make plans. Every day you get up more than you realize, you're living out your life for a plan that you have internally projected onto your life. We're making plans. And as was the case for David, at the same is the case for us. God sometimes shoots down our plans. And the truth is, for most of us, that's really not okay. It really wasn't okay. I mean, I'm giving you like the tempered, nice version of what happened that time, you know, when I was going through that, when they slapped me down and didn't hire me. We're really not okay when God shoots down our plans. I mean, we, we want to trust God. We even say we trust God, but it's sort of, it's like, okay, God, I trust you if you will see my plan through. If you will lend your favor to my plan, if you will facilitate my plan, man, I got a boatload. I'm, I'm, I got a crazy amount of trust, right? If you'll do that. God, I just want to be at this place at this time in my life. So just work with me on that one. I got to I, I want to see this accomplished in my life and see this come to fruition in my life. Just, just, you know, be with me on that one. God, I'll trust you as long as the Red Sox make the World Series, right? <laughs> I, I don't really follow baseball a lot. But the, how are the Red Sox doing in the playoffs? They, they're doing good? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for your honesty, sir. You are golfing, yes. <laughs> All right, listen, God, I'll trust you as long as you make my plans come to fruition. But God, please don't go messing with my plans, right? But the God of the Bible sometimes shoots down our plans. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9 says, We can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. This means that we make the plans, and it's cool to make plans, but God will ultimately determine whether or not those plans come to be. Now, this is really scary for some of us who just need to be in control. Notice I said us, <laughs> right? This is scary for some of us who really struggle with trusting people, let alone a God. And yet, this is where we find freedom for all of that hot mess in our lives, we can pull back on the control, and we can trust not only in people. That's a nice step, right? How to trust my wife after 28 years of an insane life. How to trust my wife when I would, you know, we went into holy matrimony. I still trust her. There's a lot. Of, I mean, every step of the way, I have struggled and struggled and struggled to trust because of all that I had gone through. But I realized more and more every year of my walk with Jesus that there is freedom in trusting in God, right? There is freedom, great freedom in trusting in God. And you know what I realized for me, maybe for you? It really came down to pride for me. Pride is the opposite of being humbled. 
So when we're humbled, it says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6, we are submitting ourselves to the mighty hand of God. And when we do that, the scripture says that he will raise us up. He will honor us, some versions say. God will honor us when we humble ourselves to him, when we surrender to him. But yet pride says to us, it's pride isn't like boom, 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 this is who I am, this obnoxious personality. That's not pride. It comes in all different personalities, all different backgrounds. Pride says, God, this is how I'm going to survive. This is how I'm going to get by. I know what's best in my life. This is what I need. This is what needs to be done at this time in this way. I got it. You're a good God, and I believe in you. And, you know, we'll work this out somehow, you know. We'll kind of mesh the God thing and, the, you know, and my life and my plan thing. We'll, we'll work it out. And somehow I'll find a way to land this plane, you know, in this life. And sometimes I just depart from God entirely because it, the whole thing becomes so tiresome and so weary. This God thing stinks. I'm just going to depart from it. I can't do this anymore because it is tiresome to live out a life of faith that way, huh? So... What do we do when we have a plan, and, it, and we are struggling with it, and, and we're not sure what's going on? Is it the right plan? Is this what God would have us do? Well, the first thing we do is we need to listen. We need to pause, slow things down. I work, I work with my kids on this. I'm like, just slow it down, man. All right, I tell them, look, your mind is not as crazy as my mind, but, well, you're my kids. It might be. But just slow it down and listen to yourself, talk to yourself. <laughs> and as you hear that, compare that to God's word. Compare that to what you know of God. Compare that to what you've experienced with God. Funnel it through your faith. And you see, David's made plans to do something he felt was so great. And then... God shoots his plans down. And what does David do? He takes a step back. He pauses and he begins to listen to his God, to our God. And we see in the scripture, David's taking this moment and he's hearing God's plan. This is what he does. First Chronicles chapter 17, verse 7 through 12. This is God speaking to the prophet Nathan. He says, now go and say to my servant David, this is what the Lord of heaven's armies has declared. I took you from tending sheep in the pasture and selected you to be the leader of my people, Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone, and I have destroyed all your enemies before your eyes. Now I will make your name as famous as anyone who's ever lived on the earth. I will provide a homeland for my people, Israel, planting them in a secure place where they will never be disturbed. Evil nations won't oppress them as they've done in the past, starting from the time I appointed judges to rule my people, Israel and I will defeat all your enemies. Furthermore, I declare that the Lord will build a house for you, David, a dynasty of kings, for when you die and join your ancestors, I will raise up one of your descendants, one of your sons, and I will make his kingdom strong. He is the one who will build a house, a temple for me, and I will secure his throne forever. So David takes this moment to listen to God, and God tells him, listen, I know what you want to do, you want me to bless your plans, but here's the deal. I've got some plans of my own for you. I've got some plans for you, David. You know, after my resume was rejected from the church, you know, and I got some wind back in my sails, 
I started thinking, okay, God closes one door. He opens another door. God wants me to plant and start a church. He doesn't want me to revitalize a church. And I get it because starting a church is really hard. It's incredibly difficult. It can be the death song of ministry. It's gotten a little bit less difficult. So many more people fail than succeed. It's hard to do. I'm not kidding you. The horror stories, the pain, and the suffering that go on in people's lives when they set out to do this serious stuff, okay? Rewards are phenomenal. Risks and pain, huge. And even when you get the rewards, you're still getting the pain along the way, especially in the beginning. So that's why I knew I had kind of, I had known that, and we had sat with people who had gone through this. I mean, when they sent Christy a package for her, when we went to church planting boot camp, in the manual it tells her how to handle people talking about her and her family when they make things up, especially other, I'm not kidding you. So I kind of, I think I had subconsciously kind of stayed away from that one, and revitalizing might have been a better way for me, because, you know, it's, it's already going, something's there. Also very hard, but maybe better, safer. And now I said, you know what, God is closing that door. He wants me to revitalize, he wants me to plant the church. I'm gung-ho, I got it, I'm overcoming that kind of subconscious fear. I'm trusting in God, let's go. And so I woke up, Christy, <laughs> started sharing with her my passion, my dreams, we sat down, I made all the plans, I mapped it up, I typed it up, I started sending it out to organizations to receive funding and support, and I talked to anybody I could, and I told them that I, me and my dear wife and our family, we were going to be planting a church in Sterling, Massachusetts. Yeah. And all the paperwork that got sent in said Sterling, Massachusetts. Our new God had called me, hallelujah, to Sterling, Massachusetts, right? Well, what happened? I listened, and one day I'm sitting there in Dunkin' Donuts in my parking lot in my car, and I'm reading the Bible, and I hear something on the radio, and it reminds me of what God has done in my life. It's nice to be reminded of what God has done in our life. That's what God was doing for David. He was reminding David of what he had done in his life. He was reminding David of his promises, of his faithfulness, of how incredible it was for David to know God. You see that throughout Scripture more than we realize how God very straightforwardly and sometimes subtly is reminding people of who he is and what he's done in their life. So realizing and remembering what God had done in my life, what he had taken me from and where he had brought me, I began to think of God's faithfulness and realize how pow really powerful and mighty he truly is. I began feeling the full value of my salvation and there I'm looking out into the street, into Gardner, and I hear these words, they needed to, David. And I know right there, I translate that immediately deep within my soul, that God wants me to plant the church in Gardner. I go home so that people can know Jesus, right? We want to see people come to know Jesus, huh? We want to see people have a relationship with Jesus. That is our mission. That is what we are focused on. That's what we do. That's where we hang our hat. That's why we do all of this. We want people to know Jesus. That's how we tick here. That's our culture. I go home. It's about 5 o'clock in the morning. I wake Christy up. She sits up. Is <laughs> it true? And I sit there. And I'm like, yeah, you know all that stuff about Sterling? Yeah, it's not happening. I said, we're planting a church in Gardner. She's like, Okay. <laughs> God shot down my plans. 
I listened to God, and God said, hey, that's a, that's a nice plan, David. And ambition, you get an A for the ambition. But I've got a greater plan for you. I've got such a greater plan for you, David. See, that's what God is saying to David, to us. You've got some good ambitious plans. You've got some good intentions. He's telling David, you're trying to build me a temporary house, but I'm wanting to use your life to build an eternal kingdom that will last forever. David, I'm going to do great works in your life, something you could never have imagined. I want to use you, David, for so much more than you could accomplish. The truth is oftentimes our plans are good. They are ambitious, but they're too small. You you follow me? All that I wanted to do, and I had some crazy crystal clear plans. I look back now, they were so small, but I thought they were, really, I would never have done Star Wars. You know? That would have been like quenching the spirit, you know? I shouldn't, I should be careful. I I would never have done most of what I do. I I just so you know, I have a lot of suits. I have nice suits. (laughs) I do. I only wear them for weddings and funerals now, but my point is I I I had plans of how things should look and how they should go, and 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 more than I realized my image and what it would be, and, and it all got turned upside down. Because God had a greater plan for me. And I had no idea, really, what that was. When he said God, I didn't think, yeah, God, the work, that's awesome. It's not what I thought at all, actually. <laughs> Nothing against you guys. I really wasn't happy about it at all. I wasn't. Because it wasn't my plan. It's, it's not what I thought I could even do. It's not what I, I, how, I mean, I knew about all that stuff, but I just kind of wanted to get away from that. I was a new guy. Wow, but God had something greater. And today, on October 15th, I get to feel that. You see? That's what I'm feeling today. When I go home and I sit down and I grab a goodie or two that you guys make, because that's what I do, go home, I have some iced tea, I have a goodie, and I just sit there and I thank God I got through another Sunday and he was glorified, you know? (laughs) And then I watched the Yankee game too, by the way. But <laughs> after, you, after you clap for me, too, right? What a, what a, what a jerk, huh? <laughs> You're right. That was low. I get you. I, yeah, I get you. I get you. You're right. I take it back after you clap for me. But I get to have this moment, you know? Are they saying not nice things on the screen again? If they use derogatory language, it's not me, man. It's not. Oh, okay, that's there. I get it, I get it. Well, they put up Yankee suck last time. <laughs> and you know, I actually overheard this conversation of this little one telling their mom, Mommy, is, is that not nice? You know, she's like, well, when you use it that way, it's okay. What the heck is that? Come on. You are crazy. You are the best fans in the world, really, you are. You're just rooting for the wrong team. Anyway, where the heck was I? All right. The point is, it's October 15th, and, and look what's going on in this place. Look, look what God has done through so many people in this place. People knew they're coming from Springfield, uh, friends coming from across the state. Uh, you here my, at Chair City Church, people coming in that we didn't know to help out. People giving their time. Look, look at what God has done right here in Garner in this city. 
And I get to sit down and say, wow, his plan was so much greater than my plan. This stuff works. <laughs> but I get to know that I know that I know regardless of what's going on or who's not healthy or whose life is breaking down or who's struggling spiritually. Yeah, that actually happens in our home and in our lives regardless of what's happening, what fear comes on me, if I don't feel right. I know that I know about God's faithfulness. I know his plan is best for me. I'm ready and willing to listen. Do you get me? All right, so we see David listening. We know we should listen. We know God's got a great plan. So what do we do next? We get on board with what God is doing. When God stops our plans, we see a, a resistance to our plans. He reveals himself to us. He gives us this glimpse. It's only, when, well, it's only a glimpse. I'm still getting a glimpse of God's plan in for this church. You get me? What a... God just, he's just like putting it out there step by step for us. I'm just, I just know with all my heart because of the way we began and the incredible stories and the things we've seen in people's lives. I mean, come on, yesterday, 40-something women from this church on their own, putting together it on their own, went and had a women's retreat down at Moody Center in Northfield, Massachusetts. That's so incredible. They put this retreat together themselves. It was the first retreat ever. The people who run the facility. Now, Moody Center is a phenomenal place. There's nothing like it in all of New England. I'm telling you, if you go there, you're just inspired to walk on the grounds and see what one man did with an incredible vision and living out God's plan in his life. It is amazing. And you hear about these 25 women who trusted in God, followed his plan in their lives, and gave their lives, every single one of these women, for the glory of God. Wow, that's inspiring. To stand there in the midst of all that, well, the property had not been abandoned, but nobody was using it, nobody was going there. It was purchased by uh, billionaires, Hobby Lobby. They wanted to see that preserved in New England as territory for the kingdom. Thank you, Hobby Lobby. Yeah, why not? <laughs> And lo and behold, we go there. We kind of get an affection for the place. Women come together. They have this, and, and they have this retreat. They pray. They worship. The lady says, first time. This is our first retreat ever here at the Moody Center. The people that, the people that are heading it up, yeah. I love it. I love, I love this church. I love this church, man. Now, why do they do that? Because that's our culture. This is our culture. We can do it. We can be better. We can do that. We can change. We can affect the city. This is who we are. Don't tell us we can't do it because we've done it already, right? And you know, the people who put that together, I know their lives. People who struggle with drugs, people who struggle with depression, people who struggle with thinking well of themselves, these are the people that organized this, that put it together, and that carried it out. And I'm not talking they were living like this 40 years ago, or 30 years ago, or 20 years ago, or 8 years ago. I'm talking not too long ago, in their recent past, with a capital P, that's what they knew. But now they know freedom, they know trust in God, and they know God's plan in their life. And they got to walk off that property yesterday, feeling the faithfulness of God in their life. And when I laid down last night, I said, man, God, they are laying down tonight, and I know just how they feel. And it's so beautiful, man. God has put a new song in their heart. He's given them a firm place to stand. 
And many will see and know and trust in God because of what they're doing. To God be the glory. Ah, okay, I'm doing it again, aren't I? Okay. Listen, God told David, you are not the one to build my house, but I want you to use you in doing something greater than that. God's telling David, get on board, huh? Chronicles 22, verse 5, this is what David does. David said, my son Solomon is still young and inexperienced, and since the temple to be built of the Lord must be magnificent in structure, famous and glorious throughout the world, I will begin making preparations for it now. So David collects vast amounts of building materials before his death. David says, okay, I accept that I am not the one to do this, to build this thing. I accept that God is shooting down my plans. I'm okay with that. I'm moving on. I am so glad and happy to play a part in what God is doing. I will get on board with what God is doing in this kingdom, in this world, and what he plans to do in my life. Do you hear that? I will do God's plan and not my own. So he makes these extensive preparations, gets material, even puts plans together. David was glad to play that part in God's plan. Why? Because God's plan was better than David's plan. He knew that. Hear me out. It is so good to dream. It is, it, it, I believe God made us that way. If you know the heart of our church, it is to see people grow, grow spiritually, grow emotionally, grow relationally, grow financially. This is what we crave to do, and this is what we do. Just like the ladies who led that retreat, week to week, we are grinding it out. We are trusting in God, and we are seeing people grow. And that comes from our own life. That comes from my own life and my relentless pursuit to know God and to continually grow. And the closer I get to God, the more I realize I need to grow. As Paul said, I am the chief of all sinners. I got that. The closer Paul got to God, the more he knew him, the more he knew, wow, I got room to grow. It's what, my favorite song of all time. Many of you know it. Ooh, child. It's from the 70s. 70s good music. It's really, it's really the song is really about a life plan. It's really about someone planning their life. Listen to the words. No, I'm not going to sing it. Someday, yeah, I'm just going to give you a couple, of, a couple of choruses. Someday, yeah, we'll get it together and we'll get it all done. Someday, yeah, we'll walk in the rays of a beautiful sun someday. I love those words. The reason I don't sing it is because my wife makes fun of me and my kids make fun of me. I know you think, you think I kind of, I say that to be funny, but last week at a life group, life groups, we have these small groups that meet in people's home, Right? Some, some here in the building, but a lot mostly in people's homes during the week. Well, there was a couple who was celebrating their 40th wedding anniversary. How cool is that, right? <laughs> and they wanted, with their other people here from Cheer City Church, because we share life, they wanted to renew their vows in front of the life group. How cool is that? And they asked me to come and do it. And so I thought is maybe to add some flavor and, and to, you know, bring some you know, tenderness to it, I, I'd get the words from this, uh, from this song that they danced to at their wedding reception. And so I stood there and I started to kind of sing the words with them. We, we, I started to sing the words, I led them in song, and they began to sing it. And it's a tender moment, and all of a sudden I look to my right, and my wife has got her hands buried in her face laughing. Like, what the heck is this? It's true. People were there, they witnessed it. She mocked me what you did. <laughs> it's okay. All right. Listen, what the words are saying is 
you can hear them planning for a better tomorrow. We are all about better tomorrows here at Shear City Church. That is our culture. The best is yet to come, right? Yeah. And we are all about honoring God when we do that. We are all about honoring God when we do that. Because God has a greater plan for us, for this city, for this region, and for the world. So listen, let's move towards the end. Worship team, why don't you come on up? Okay. Qui-Gon trusted that the force was guiding him through life. Qui-Gon's the Jedi, the good guy. And he, and he knew that nothing was an accident that was happening to them. He trusted the force was putting them on a path that needed, they needed to be on versus a path that they were planning. You see the difference? In the same way, we need to trust that God is putting us on the path He wants us, and we need to be not on the path that we have selected or chosen necessarily. God wants us to trust in Him and to know that He is working in our lives and that we are in capable hands. My friends, what a comfort it is to travel down this road called Christianity. It is hard. It is harder not to. That's my experience. It is really difficult to travel down this road called Christianity. But I know with all my heart, it is so much harder not to do that. And there are some incredible, precious treasures that you come across as you are on the right path, trusting in God. Your whole world opens up. The way you see people, the way you see this world, the way you can be honest and examine and know yourself, it's a beautiful thing. As we said, you can now run to the battle. You can run to the pain. You can run to the difficulty. You can face this. You can face that. And you go through it. You don't run away from it. You don't take a small problem, make it into a bigger problem. You just get through it, and you get to the other side of it, and you see a glorious and faithful, living, loving God. Yes? So listen, how comforting it is to know that as you travel through life, you are going through it with a God that is directing your steps. He's leading you and guiding you. He's carrying you. God does this. Why did God do that to Dave Trelongo? Because I chose 24 years ago in my late 20s, I chose to surrender to him. I chose to trust him. Yeah, I look back now, you know, might have looked a little different than it would have now. And in some ways, it was pretty crazy. You know, I always say, man, can you do now what you did then? Because that was berserk what you did, what you walked away from, the decisions you made to just go and trust in God. But that's what God did for me when I decided to trust in him. And he then began to set my steps, appoint my steps, speak to me. I began to see more and more that God had a better plan than I did. So today I'm speaking to you here who, as we say, you, you might not know Jesus, meaning you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You, you don't talk to him and you don't thank him. You don't struggle with him. You don't say, what the heck was that with him? You don't say thank you to him. He's just, you know, you don't think of God's plan in your life. You've never thought that Jesus gave his life on the cross so that your sins would be forgiven. Those things you've done that's apart from God, those things that have tripped you up, that have held you down, that have marred your life, that have caused you so much pain and issues, more than you realize. But today, let's have some clarity and collectiveness. You get that. You know that, huh? That Jesus gave his life so that those sins could be forgiven. They would no longer be who you are. 
you'd not be controlled by them or a slave to them, but now you'd step out in freedom and in trusting in God, knowing Jesus is your Savior and knowing your heavenly Father, God. Why don't you stand with me? Why don't you bow your head? If you're in here today, and today's the day where you're going to turn to God, you are going to trust in God, you are going to buy into and surrender to God's plan in your life, you are going to cherish the forgiveness of your sins and the new relationship you have with your Heavenly Father, why don't you say something like this in your heart? Dear God, I don't want to miss out on you, on your plan for my life, oh God. Lord, I know by your mercy you have shot down my plans and today I am no longer frustrated I'm no longer confused I'm no longer bitter I'm no longer angry I don't know if you're hopeless today I thank you God that your mercies are new every morning God I thank you that you've brought me in here today that you've awakened me to your presence God that you're making me feel something in me that I thought was dead I never felt before today God I want to trust in you I want to know that my sins are forgiven. I want to put my faith in Jesus. Today, I want your plan for my life. Help me, God. Be with me. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. To God be the glory. I love being your pastor. <laughs>